is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast. Yes, we pulled our heads out of the sand after a Wolves match, much like. You know, players had to pull themselves potentially out of a sand trap this weekend, or maybe during the week of the Masters, Nick. Huh? You like that? You, you really want the sand theme there. Um, I did. Yeah. And, and whilst we're at it, congratulations to John Rahm, a worthy Masters champion. Unbelievable uh, last couple of days for him. So massive shouts to my golf heads out there. Well, they are happy that you're giving them something to think about for a few seconds that isn't a loss <laughs> to Wolves in the Premier League for oh, Chelsea. God. Yeah, yeah, boy. Can we talk about anything else? The the new episode of The Mandalorian or, you know, any other music, maybe? I, I don't know. Anything else, yeah, Dan? Yeah, we can talk about the new Boy Genius record, which is fantastic. I'd be happy to go into detail and give my thoughts there. There's a whole lot we could talk about that wasn't Chelsea or isn't Chelsea. And look, we'll entertain that. If you tweet at us or email us and say, hey, we'd really like your takes on this instead, we'll find Do a way themed- to deliver. We could do themed episodes to the end of the year that aren't about football. That would be phenomenal. Let's do it. I like that. Could do uh, you know players as certain uh, characters in The Sopranos or other things. Like, look, there's a whole lot that we could do, but we are going to suck it up and we are going to have a conversation about the Wolves match. Try to zoom out a little bit though, and talking about how there wasn't really a bounce detected with Frank Lampard coming in against this Wolves side. And then start to go a little bit into the future, looking ahead towards the summer. And what are some of the thoughts that we're starting to crystallize as Chelsea have made it 30 out of 38 matches now in the Premier League season? And at close to 80% of the way done, there's not that much more data points you need necessarily to start making some decisions, or you would hope so. So. Nick, we're going to get into some three-word match reviews first, just to get a little bit of a temp check. There's a lot of terrible ones out there I didn't include in here, but I did curate a selection for you that felt felt reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> and again, for the last, I don't know, for the entire season, these three-word match reviews have mostly not been happy ones. So I think for those who go out of their way to try and make us laugh, we're, we're throwing you in. Uh, Def Jack's Daddy with Frankly Not Amused. Well played, obviously puns. Uh, sweet spot for me. Uh, Caden Rose with buy, sell, loan. No need to have the keep portion of the annual uh, keep, sell, loan podcast. Well, tough maybe, but fair. Uh, Craig Ledoux with raised by wolves. Uh, raised R-A-Z-E-D. So flattened in a way. Uh, Sergeant Soy Sauce with chaos and cursed. Mr. Thurman with new manager dump. Uh, that was that was tough to read, but fair. Uh, Farag's ninety one with vibes not immaculate. J Dubs with boys gave absolute fuck all. <laughs> that's that's making me laugh. And then clip show with Augusta tree vibes. <laughs> that's hey look, I'm glad no one got hurt in that. By the way, the the angle of the person between the two trees unreal. Yeah, like what a stroke of luck that was but yeah lots of lots of ones that make us laugh today which is good thank you for for doing that well it's good that people gave us something to react to that was a little more positive than the result i went with textbook hate watch example hate watch is one word in the urban dictionary definition so i'm rolling with it 
look, you know, I, I mentioned to somebody that I watched it back a second time just to analyze some of the things. And uh, I initially called it a watch watch instead of a hate watch. But uh, it, it, it was a little bit of a hate watch on this one, Nicholas. Yeah, I was uh, Masters Weekend, so I was golfing with my buddy Joe back in Omaha uh, and watching it on our phones in between shots. But uh, I did rewatch it today, and uh, my three-word match review is players hold responsibility. You're on your fourth manager of the year. If you don't perform, it can't possibly be the manager's fault at this point. So that's it. Could have gone with tape delay acceptable as well, considering you watched it back. And that is something that typically, as supporters mm-hmm. of this fine club and individuals who enjoy watching sport, that you usually don't do if the team is much better than we are in our current moment. But look, we want to give some gratitudes out. We want to thank some people. We want to thank Paris for joining us on Patreon, helping support the pod, and also joining us in our wonderful Discord community on Apple Podcasts. We want to thank uh, Dulog. 90 from the UK for a five-star review. And hey, we're almost at 2,000 reviews and 4.9 stars on Spotify, which is really, really cool. And I think that's almost going to take us over the point where it's going to surpass the lifetime total of reviews that we have on Apple Podcasts. So that's a pretty exciting milestone. So we're we're very excited for that. And we hope that you join us in leaving a wonderful five-star review. You know, maybe you listen to this. Maybe you're still visiting some family after the weekend. You know, hey. Ask them for their phone and leave a review on their behalf. That's that's not a hard thing to do. Very easy. Damn right. That'd be awesome. Get us to 2K. Come on. You got this. Look, uh, you know, Chelsea may not be climbing up the charts at the moment, but you can help the Lone Spoon Podcast do it with one of those actions. But look, we'll get into some match details. Look, it was Wolves. It was this past Saturday, April 8th, 2023, in the Premier League at the Molyneux Stadium with Wolves winning one to nothing with a Nunez incredible goal i think nick you like to quote tweet when i was like imagine scoring a goal like this <laughs> with imagine scoring just a goal you could have just stopped after goal uh I three could've. games scoreless here dan three games scoreless so look know. they've uh they've un- uncorked the limit on words on twitter so you know i didn't i don't have to be as choosy anymore but i appreciate you living in a world where uh twitter has not turned into an absolute dumpster fire but look Jake, don't put the fist stand highlights in there. We do like the, the love official. Of God. <laughs> we do like the official club app, and we appreciate that they do let us use the highlights. We just don't want to subject you to those this time. So we're gonna go ahead and just get right into the lineup. Nick, you can do the honors with no Brandon Busby here. Yes, um, we were all in a lot of anticipation. I think about this lineup. You know, Frank's back you know it we were all trying to remember like how did we play under frank just 2.25 years ago uh and he came out with something um uh mostly bad uh, <laughs> i don't really know how else to put it uh it was a 4-3-3 which we know typically does not work for us because of the lack of a holding midfielder although we had one on our bench we just didn't really play him uh, so it was Keppa between the sticks, a back four of Mark Kukurea, Kaladu Koulibaly, Wesley Fafana, and Reese James, a midfield three of Kovacic, Enzo, and Connor Gallagher getting a start in the Premier League. How about that? Uh, Raheem Sterling, Kai Havertz, and Joao Felix make up your, your front three. Substitute bench of basically everyone else in the squad. Um, we got Edouard Mendy back on the bench. Good to see him uh, able to kind of make the team more consistently. Benoit Badiashiel, who apparently 
has uh, been in timeout for some number of weeks despite performances by other players. Don't get it. Trev Chalba, who did come on for Wesley Fofana in the 80th minute. Ben Chilwell, who came on for Kukurea in the 68th minute. Mikhailo Mudrik, who came on for Sterling in the 68th minute. Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Des Zakaria don't make an appearance because we were too good in midfield. Um, so that was interesting. And then Obama Yang, holy hell, makes another appearance for Chelsea Football Club in the 68th minute, coming in for Felix. And then Christian Pulisic comes in for Kai Havertz. Basically an admittance in the 61st and 68th minute that uh, it hadn't gone well. And we replaced basically everybody who could do something about scoring goals. Didn't exactly work, Dan. And uh, what a colossal shit show the stats are to prove it. Well, look, when you can... <laughs> Have an expected goals of 1.13 to their 0.55. That's quite exceptional. Uh, yeah, we had 60% of possession, 13 total shots, one on target, uh, four shots off target, eight of those shots blocked. So the clinicality missing quite a bit. You had corner kicks of eight to their eight, uh, one off sides to their two. 10 fouls to their 14, five yellow cards to their two, which was quite the interesting thing, I thought, that we were picking up so many more yellow cards than the opposition. Didn't seem like that was fair and right at all, as you shake your head. No, especially upon watching it back. Like the Again, we talk about the standard of refereeing every, every match day, and... and you know, there are a couple of moments here that, of course, are talking points. The the handball in the penalty box, which is a clear penalty for me. Uh, but I, I think even more than that, Dan, when I watch the refereeing these days, they lose control of the game so quickly now. And in moments where they try and get it back, a yellow card comes out. And it's almost as if your team is the aggressor first you get less penalty against you than if you're the team that responds. And and I think it's a, it's a bigger problem for Chelsea who are just getting bullied in a lot of matches with physical play right now. They aren't really capable of starting or ending a game. Well, they can do middle bits fine, but uh, yeah, the, the standard of refereeing is just calamity uh, across the league. And the, I'm, I'm to the point where I've said this on Twitter. Now the, the Premier League cannot be the best league in the world with the standard of refereeing that we have. It is incredibly bad and it screws up every game now. And every game has a moment where you're like, well, if that would have happened, then this result would, would have been different. I don't want to hear the Premier League is the best league in the world until they fucking fix this refereeing thing. It's, it's so bad. Well, look, Brighton doesn't need any more gifts from Chelsea, but as a Chelsea podcast watching the incidents that they were under this weekend, I would imagine that they are rightfully aggrieved at the officiating in their match. Robinson 100%. with the elbow, what looked like an elbow, an it elbow to the elbow. face of Robinson from a match official. There's just a lot that the PGMOL is going to have to answer for at the end of the season, and a full accounting needs to happen. But I'm sure that the Chelsea departments that confer with them would be able to put together quite the supercut of instances where we maybe didn't receive our fair shake, just like every other team. And I hope every one of the teams does it and gives a full file over to the PGML at the end of the season. Who holds them accountable, though? I mean, I, I think this is the, at the end of the day, like, the FA just wants this to happen moving forward. I, I can't imagine they do. I, I have to imagine that they want something better than what they get week in and week out. But it is it's impossible to watch now. Like 
you could have the most stonewall penalty opportunity where the goalkeeper comes out and trips a player and it won't be given or won't even be looked at. And you're like, well, I don't fucking know what's happening. So let's just keep playing the game, I suppose. There you go. Look, I had one random stat that I compiled myself. It is not an Optor Joe stat. It's been it's a, 284 it's a Dan minutes. Optor Dan, let's go. 284 minutes since Chelsea last scored in the Premier League. That was a penalty. So if you want to roll it back, it's actually been 308 minutes since Chelsea have scored just a regular goal with no assistance. It's incredibly bad. It's incredibly damning of the top-level talent, the attacking talent that we brought into the club. Uh, this this match today, we'll talk about it. You know, I think Connor Gallagher even said this. We didn't offer anything to this. There was, you know, a moment where I, I think we rightly should have been given a penalty. But other than that, one shot on target, you're not winning the game with one shot on target if they've already scored. So there's nothing really to talk about here. We didn't deserve to win. And I think Wolves rightly, rightfully won this match, period. Well, we will get into all that. I don't think there's a shit house moment of the match. No, nope, right? not until the team starts playing better. We can just cancel that one until uh, further notice. Understood. Well, then we'll take a real quick ad break and we'll be right back. And we'll talk about how no bounce was detected and ask the question, should we have expected anything else at this moment in the season? But thanks to the sponsors for supporting the show. We'll be right back. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company independently built that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it. They'll give you a new pair or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, Thanks to Lost and Broken Replacements, you can get a replacement pair, no questions asked, anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right, LONDONISBLUE, all caps, spelled just like the podcast, you know, the podcast you're listening to right now. You can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The shade's rated five stars by over 200,000 people. All right, Nick. The question was asked before we broke to the commercial break. And now you get the chance to answer first. Should we have expected anything else, anything to be better with a less than week time that Frank Lampard has been back at Chelsea to get any other tune out of this team. We used our new manager bounce back in September with Grand Potter or October with Grand Potter. Um, so no, I don't think we should have expected anything. I mean, you are who you are at this point, right? You are who your record says you are. Um, we are not good, period. End of story. You know, I think what will be more damning on this team is if they show up against Real Madrid uh, midweek and play 
above the level that they've played in the last five matches. Um, that will tell me that they only care about certain moments, and that is unacceptable. Um, but I think we're going to get absolutely smacked uh, by Real Madrid, and I think rightfully so. They're much better than we are. Uh, no, I didn't expect anything. And I think for anyone who's like, didn't get the manager they wanted this season, there were four options. Uh, you didn't get one of them that he wanted. Uh, the team has played bad under every single manager. Um, you know, I, I could argue... You know the the match against Liverpool midweek was was better just as a performance goes. Um, you know, f- far more clear opportunities to score, all that sort of stuff than it was um, any of the previous three. But uh, this this team can do everything well until they get to the eighteen yard box, and then it all falls apart in a hugely embarrassing way. And no, I didn't expect anything like. And, and for the record, Dan, none of this is Frank Lampard's fault. <laughs> like you could, I mean, you could say, man, he didn't set up the team properly or whatever. And, and maybe, maybe a 5% allocation is to him for not getting it, it right. But that, that lineup that we read out is good enough to beat Wolves nine out of 10 times. Wolves are struggling bad. Wolves don't score goals just like we do. And yet they found one, right? And it just doesn't give you a whole lot of hope. It feels like these players are on the beach, frankly. So um, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm I'm upset, and I think everyone else should be upset too with with the level of performance that we got, especially the away supporters who traveled up there to see that absolute nonsense. It was terrible. There was a lot of criticism of the interim appointment of Frank Lampard, not amongst some of the circles that you and I talk in. I think in general. It was a better option than retaining Bruno heading into the end of the season. Better from a building back a relationship with the supporters and getting them on side, the home supporters on side for anyway supporters for the rest of the season. But again, it's not the long term issue. I mean, there's been quotes out there or people trying to cobble together reports about what would Frank Lampard have to do to be the next permanent manager just doesn't happen. And I think the only scenario where he is even a legitimate candidate to be a permanent manager replacement is if he were to somehow go on and win the Champions League here. And then I think that would allow him to interview for the opportunity. But I still think there are other individuals who are well and above better candidates at this moment for the future of Chelsea football club. This is like a, this is a favor to Chelsea yes. and it is potentially an opportunity for him. If he can get a couple of results with this team, that is absolutely positive PR for Frank after the Everton disaster that he ran into. So like, I think I just want to remove the disillusion from this because I, th- I think there is a little bit of that from people not understanding or not taking a moment to step back and say like how how does everybody win within this like bully on the board win because they brought frank back frank's going to be able to get a you know a send off from the supporters at the end of the season it gives them a little bit of a, a runway to go make the right managerial decision and it gives frank an opportunity to you know there will be vacancies in the premier league There'll be a vacancy at Crystal Palace. 
at the middle part of the season or the end of the season. So there's going to be an opportunity potentially if Frank does anything where he can then put himself in a position to be back in the Premier League in a managerial role next season if this goes well. Everybody has should have huge motivation to do well, right? If you're a player who wants to be at this club beyond this season, you have huge motivation to do well. If you're a player who wants to get sold in the summer, you have huge motivation to do well. If you're a manager who wants to find another gig at the end of the season, you should have huge motivation. If you're a, a groundskeeper, you should have huge motivation. Like everybody after this piss poor fucking season should have huge motivation. And when you look out on the pitch, you could pick three or four players out of the 11 that looked like they cared at all yesterday. And I know that Frank cares about Chelsea football club. He obviously wouldn't have taken this role if he didn't care. I don't think, you know, again, looking back at the lineup, looking back at the formation, I don't think it was a particularly savvy first pick. And I think he has to bear that responsibility. But again, he had two days with him, right? And clearly what had been happening up to this point in the season under three different managers playing all sorts of formations, all sorts of different personnel hadn't yielded the sorts of results that we were trying to do. So part of me understands why he tried to switch it up a little bit, tried to do something different with personnel just because, you know, it's broke and we need to fix it. But everybody should have huge motivation. And I don't understand why we saw that performance that we did yesterday. I mean, especially going into the midweek against Madrid, you would think you'd want to build a ton of momentum, have the vibes as, as high as you can have them build that belief in. And I see nothing that points us in a direction that we are not going to lose three, four or five mil on aggregate against Real Madrid. I think that is, that's essentially where my head and what my eyeballs say is, is going to happen. And Dan, I think this, this point to me is, is basically, you know, I was thinking back on, Lampard's first stint with us, right? That first season, expectations were 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 very low for a Chelsea football club team underneath Roman Abramovich because of the transfer ban, because you had a young head coach, because you had a ton of young players, right? Coming off of losing Eden Hazard and all this sort of stuff. It was essentially a free hit and Lampard played it very well to get us in the top four, two consecutive seasons in a row. Obviously, it didn't end well. But this just tells me that vibes are not enough, <laughs> right? Uh, I I was I was hyped going into Saturday, and I watched the first 10 minutes where we got battered by Wolves, and I was like, oh, boy, we're in real trouble here. And I don't know what else to say. I mean, vibes, vibes can't win you titles. Ooh, vibes can't win you titles. That might have to be the little bit of a sneaky YouTube title that Brandon Busby can throw on this when he throws it up on YouTube later tonight. I would say that as we saw Frank and the team reflect upon this in the post-match comments and quotes, I will say we didn't get the boys gave everything. That has uh, run its course at this moment. But we did get a comment from Frank saying, I'm disappointed to lose my first game back. We lacked the aggression. We lacked aggression in our game against a team fighting hard at the bottom of the table. I wanted more from us. That's the baseline in the Premier League. He had a litany of comments that he said that I think were more open, honest, and truthful about where Chelsea are at right now, where the squad is at right now, the fact that things need to 
transpire, need to happen, need to move forward. And I think in general, I appreciate that type of honesty that he's providing, even though the result is terrible, even though this team should be capable, like you said, of winning this match handedly. We know there are issues. We know that we're some of our best players, like Angola Conte, were being rested ahead of this match against Real Madrid. So I think he played this as safe as possible to protect what is the the real two games remaining in the season where something if you could pull off anything, if you could go to if you could go to Real Madrid and not concede for ninety minutes that would be a huge step forward for this team right now. Yeah, I mean, and it's entirely possible. I mean, we've said this multiple times this year. Chelsea Football Club defensively, yeah, uh, the error, the odd error here or there, but defensively, by and large, this season have not been terrible. Like, we, you know, again, the goal differential will tell you the problem is at the other end. Um And so, yeah, I mean, again, it's possible if every player locks in, if every player does the job they did against Dortmund and plays at an incredibly high level and plays motivated, plays fast, plays aggressive, like, yeah, this team can really do some shit. No no doubt. But it is the lack of consistency that is so maddening and why I think there are so many supporters that are so low on this team right now. Like, Chelsea should have beat Wolves by a significant margin yesterday. Talent alone would tell you that. And when Chelsea came out at halftime, when they were motivated again, when I'm sure Frank kicked him in the ass again, we played better. Not great, but better. I mean, you, you've you been selling this dream, Dan, of the Champions League for, for some time now, and I have not bought it one time uh, because it's not in my nature, but it's especially not in my nature this year. This team don't deserve to win the Champions League the way they play. Like, they, they don't. And or could they be the most deserving winners? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I think we were the most deserving when we gave up, like, four total goals in the Champions League uh, when we won it. That was, that was the most deserving team. Uh, this team is is just not there. And, and I think, you know, to look at this, like, yes, we remember the last time Frank was here. He was incredibly good with the press. He was incredibly good uh, in in speaking after matches and giving what you know the the club's own website called an honest assessment. Right, like we we know that. Do these players care? Do they want to be here? Do, have they just had enough? I don't know. I don't know. I, I would sure like to see them prove that they haven't that they do, that they want to be here, that they want to take this and, and make something of it the rest of the year. But performances like that just are are incredibly embarrassing. And I, and I again, I feel for the away supporters who did everything they could in this match to gin up the team and gin up Frank and gin up the players. Like, they were incredibly loud. Like, I, I could hear them on my phone on a golf course with the wind up. Like, that's that was an incredible job. But the the rest of it just wasn't there. I don't know. Yeah, the question that I was going to have is what were the obtainable goals that we as supporters could ask of Frank for the remainder of the season? I know your answer is effectively none and that the players are 
effectively done, you know, maybe on a, a mental vacation or trying to think about what their next personal step is and not necessarily portraying, but again, because we can't say what they think. I mean, you know, I, I don't think any of us actually have a degree in reading body language, but... It also doesn't take an expert. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like, here, here's why I said none. Here's our matches left. Real Madrid away. Brighton home. Both teams are better than us. Real Madrid at home. Uh, United will be postponed to some other time. Both teams better than us. Brentford home. Arsenal away. Both teams better than us. Here's where we have a chance to pick up anywhere between one and six Premier League points. Bournemouth away. Forest at home. May 6th, May 13th. Then we close the season by getting walloped by Man City and Newcastle on current form. Like we have, I think, a realistic chance to pick up between one and six Premier League points the rest of the season based on how we are playing today. Like I'm going to take your polish and shine and optimism just out of the equation altogether. That is the serious person's analysis of where we are going this year. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I mean, within the Premier League, there's very little hope. In this, and in you this have exact hope moment. against a vastly superior Real Madrid team, although they are struggling domestically, have not struggled in the Champions League. It's, it's true. You know, may, maybe that carries over. Maybe, maybe their form has been infected right now, and uh, they won't be able to patch the virus or the bill before they make it into the Champions League. But Dan, they can still score goals. This is true. And we cannot. It's a pretty cool thing to score goals. I, what I would say, someone made the comment that they they don't think necessarily like that we are like safe at the moment in terms of like points because people are still looking at like the tabulations of, you know, how likely is it that Southampton, um, you know, Nottingham Forest and, you know, a third team um potentially Leicester at the moment right now because there is a bit of a 27, you know, two teams of 27 in Everton and Nottingham Forest. Like, could Chelsea still go down? And again, mathematically, anything is possible. But I went back and looked at it and really like 36 points is actually the the true number. I mean, people talk about 40 points to safety, but 36 in most seasons um, since the start of the Premier League era is enough to keep you promoted uh, or keep you in, in the table and not relegated. And so, and some of those other teams are still as bad as we are. We are not conceding 51 goals like Southampton, 52 goals like Leicester city, 54 goals like Nottingham forest. And while we do have, we do enter in to a tough period here. We are likely at this point going to finish with our lowest Premier League point total of 51 points, which was 14th place in 1993-94 season. Our next eight matches include four against the current top four of City, Arsenal, United, and Newcastle. And we only have two games, as you highlighted, against teams in the bottom half of the table, or below us in the table. Yeah, I mean, we've picked up six, nine, twelve... 13, 14 points since January 1st. 
I mean, and and I we have I think now directly we played the weakest part of our schedule. The rest of it's hard. Like, so I mean, I I, I know you're the optimist. I I think I think that time is over. This team has not shown anything to remotely get us excited. And I I think where I'm at basically through the end of the season is I have uh, set my expectations so low that I won't be hurt. And that is, that's kind of where I'm going to live. I hope they obviously go out and perform a hell of a lot better midweek. I hope they close the season on eight straight league wins. I think that would be tremendous. It'd be great. You said the maximum point total is 63. We're not getting anywhere close to that. I just be real about it. We're on 39 points. I think, I think the max we get is 45. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It is going to be super difficult to reach, reach for that brass ring uh, and very unlikely that Chelsea get more than that. But again, we, we do defy the odds sometimes, but it, it would, it would take a massive resurgence from attacking players within the side to, be able to, as you said, score goals because without those, any of those matches remaining, uh, particularly the ones against Arsenal, which is the one outside the Real Madrid matches, the one match this season that I would want to win the most is that Arsenal match. That is the one match I want to win the absolute most out of any other one on the calendar. I hate them. I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I genuinely despise Arsenal. They're going to bury us. It is going to be ugly, really ugly. I mean, I, again, you hope professional pride takes over. The team shows up and, and doesn't get battered. But like on just on results, just looking at the team, looking at the performances, looking at the statistics, looking at all the stuff that we do week to week to week. One chance to score this week. Uh, you know, I'm shrugging, uh, which is really bad radio, but like, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. Like you, you, you got Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, which you said last week, you know, we got Bournemouth in 15th place, 15th place and Forest in 18th place, both fighting for their lives. Those are the two winnable matches. And those will probably be hard because they're fighting for their lives, Right. I mean, I don't know. It it really is. It's tough to see any sort of other outcome than the team is on the beach right now, and I think that puts us toward you know kind of what we're what we're going to talk about next. But I think just to summarize the rest of the game here, incredibly disappointed in every single player that was out there, and you know I I don't think Kepa has or Mendy have any chance of stopping that Nunez goal. Um, it was a fantastic hit, and credit to him. Apparently, he was the player that we looked at this summer, but decided absolutely not. Um, so, well done again. Uh, but, yeah, not good enough. Not nearly good enough. Well, we will take a real quick break. When we get back, as Nick mentioned, we will talk a little bit about the summer and play a bit of a game thinking about the players we would like to see remain at Chelsea. Who would we build around, which maybe would indicate who we hope to see Frank invest in over the remaining matches and then maybe give an early preview of the sell portion as part of the request from earlier within the three match review of our keep sell alone series but stay tuned and we'll be right back 
When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish that you could handpick the best stars for your business team? Look, if you're building a talented roster, you need Indeed. Stop spending hours on multiple job sites finding the perfect candidate for the position because, look, Indeed has all of the tools you need in one place to hire at warp speed. Sponsor a job, and they're going to match you with the quality candidates whose resumes fit the job description that you post right away. Helps you start hiring fast. And look, Indeed knows that you're growing your business. You have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Nick, so part of the thought exercise here as we head towards the summer, like to know who you're thinking. You would hope and you would expect that Chelsea build around for the next season to relaunch a quest to, with likely no Champions League football, with likely no European football, potentially have the opportunity to go win the Premier League next season. You know how to find a way to spin it in some type of positive fashion. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I, I found five. There was an option for a sixth, but it's a pretty short list for me. Um, so, and, and this is no disrespect to a Thiago Silva who we don't know if, you know, if he's going to be back and playing regularly, he's obviously injured right now. He's obviously a player that will play for us, but we say build a team around. I, I I would struggle to build a team around a 39 going on 40 year old. So I'm just saying that out loud. I love Tiago Silva. I anticipate that he will play most of our games next year because we don't have a better option clearly as we've seen over the last two months. So there's that. Um, my five are Mason Mount sign the contract, be a leader, be a potential captain. Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Enzo Fernandez, and Wesley Fafana. I think these are the only the only five that I could really come up with. A couple of nods to like a Batty Shield or a Conte. We don't know if Conte is going to stay healthy, so I think you'd struggle to build a team around him next year. But obviously, much like Thiago Silva, if, if he is available, he's going to play. Batty Shield and West were kind of a toss-up for me. Um but I think because Wes has maybe played a little bit more this year, I'd, I'd give the nod to him. But it's a pretty easy thing to pick, to be honest with you. I mean, th- there aren't a ton of players in the squad right now that I would absolutely have as, as one of these five. Yeah, I was like you when I tried to answer this question. And I had a hard time trying to balance out, would I include any attacker because of how poor the attack has been, and my answer then was a no. The the <laughs> one thing, not. the one thing that has been consistently good is that overall, on aggregate, the defense has stood up and been able to make this a season where Chelsea are not actually within the relegation zone. Because there have been some dicey one nils that Chelsea have had to fight through. Or to you know, or you know, poor performance, attacking performance games that they've had to help eke out a result in, and so yeah, you know, I think you had I I would have put Silva in. Uh, he's probably the the sixth man on my list here, but West has been really great since being back. You have to build around 
James and Chili as your two wingbacks. I mean, that is the avenue that this team can work through. And then I think it's the two best midfielders in the team. I know you mentioned with Angola Conte just coming back from injury, not knowing what you're going to get, maybe being a little bit more hesitant around a build around, but he's still so exceptional. And if the load of games is going to be reduced heading into next season, I do think there is the ability to build with him in mind. And then obviously Enzo, who has shown no need to adapt to the Premier League in any which way, shape, or form, and has been a player waiting for others to step up to the level that he is trying to display on a week-in and week-out basis. Uh, you know, if, again, if there's a sixth option, Silva, seventh, Mount, but the attack is one where I don't think you can count on any of those players if you were going to actually be building around and trying to figure out what happens next year. Uh, yeah, I mean, going back to last year, Mason Mount's our best attacker, most consistent attacker. You, I mean, you throw all the open play assists, only finishes against lower level teams, all this sort of shit at me. I don't care. He still had 13 goals, 16 assists. Um, obviously not had a great year this year, but he's a guy for, for my team always. And he's someone I would, I would definitely build around. Um, you know, again, I think Batty Shield, Tiago Silva, and Golo Conte, they're, they're on the list. I don't know if I would necessarily build the team around them. I think that's a different sort of scenario. I think they would easily play in my team <laughs> as it stands now. Uh, but I think you have to build around the wingbacks. You have to you have to get the wingbacks fit for a whole season. We haven't done that ever. Uh, so that's a problem. Uh, you have to keep... Uh, Enzo healthy enough to last the full season. And, you know, I think Wes is another one of those just unfortunate injury characters who we need to see play for an extended period of time. But, uh, yeah, this is what I got. I mean, it's a pretty, uh, it's a, it's a pretty easy pick them list. I think there's a bunch that wouldn't make that list that we'll talk about next. So we'll do a little bit of a sell list and you, yours is long. I did not write one. But maybe if you could help us work through the prioritization. So if you're mm. saying, hey, you get two or three that if you had the option to say, we, you, you would walk away with 100% confidence that that player would be able to be moved in the window and Chelsea would get a, a somewhere within an appropriate fee for it before the, for the player who's leaving. Maybe that way would be a better way to frame it instead of saying, like, who is, you know... Because if we just run through the list, it's just... There's going to be a lot of players. Maybe we can talk about who do we think it is where Chelsea getting rid of the player allows us to go promote someone, invest in the team a little bit better, uh, maybe, you know, make back some of the money in terms of a transfer fee or wage. Like, wh where where do you go? Who are the players that top your mind then? Kai Havertz, number one. Um, just haven't seen enough. And, uh, you know, the, the brilliant patches over the last two seasons are an indication of his talent, but the overall consistency has just not been there. And it's clear that Chelsea need a number nine. And I don't think you can have a world where Havertz plays number 10, Felix plays number 10, and Kunku plays number 10, Mount plays number 10. I just don't think Felix, or I don't, I don't think, uh, Sorry, I don't think Kai Havertz is is long for the Premier League. I don't think he fits in the Premier League. 
And he would be number one for me because I think you need to appropriate some funds for a real striker and and do that. It's obvious to me that he will go on and have 20 goal a year seasons because he's you know playing in the German league or playing in the Spanish league and the you know the pressure on each individual player is less in those leagues. But in the Premier League, you have to take on a lot of responsibility. We haven't seen him do that consistently enough, and he would be the first option off the board for me. Um, I'm I'm done being frustrated watching Kai Havertz. Yeah, I think that's a a good shout. One where I just don't think a renewal is going to happen. It just seems unlikely. I don't think Kovacic is going to find his way to a renewal in terms of the terms that he's going to want or that the club is going to want to dictate. No. You're starting to refresh the midfield finally. Yes, we did just talk about keeping N'Golo Kante and making him a centerpiece to build around. That's just for the next year. But I still think you need to invest and bring in top talent in the midfield to continue to elevate that position in our team, in our squad. And I just don't think you're going to get... I think you've seen the ceiling of performance with Mateo Kovacic at Chelsea. And unless you could get him to be the Croatian version, uh, the international player where he's also able to score goals in some level of consistency and reliability and dependability, I just don't think you can think about him as a player to invest in, particularly when there would be some type of market for him heading into the summer. So he wasn't on my like first three. And the reason why, unless you're telling me that like an Andre Santos comes back and like fills his role, then I could be persuaded because I think, you know, I think we're all very excited to see what, what that kid can do. Um, But the reason why he wasn't in top three is he doesn't really hurt us right now. He's not a player that's like actively contributing to the overall demise. Yes. I think he has, not played brilliantly for us this year, but he's he's not really killing us either. Um, it's why, you know, either Kepa or Mendy has to go, maybe both for me, right? I think, again, our defensive record wouldn't tell you that both of them need to go because I think, again, like we said, defensively been pretty good. But I think the confidence that, a star goalkeeper gives you back there is just not something to be fucked with. And unless one of them gain, you know, Mario on the mushroom form uh, over the next eight weeks or six weeks now, sorry, eight matches, then I think you have to look at, at bringing in someone to, to, fill, uh, to fill that role and obviously then have Slonina as a number two potentially or, or Bentinelli or someone like that to, to kind of make that happen. I think that's something that I would prioritize um, over the summer. You know, striker, goalkeeper. One of the other ones that looks to be a, sighting, a signing that at the time looked to be exciting because of the way that he had played and Maybe Chelsea have gotten into the habit occasionally of buying a player who performs well against them. But Mark Kukurea is another one where with the likely return of Levi Colwell, with the signing of Benoit Bayashiel, with Ben Chilwell looking to be healthy again, with the way Ian Motson has played on loan for the promoted Bur- Burnley under Vincent Company, it feels like it's hard to visualize a spot for him in the Chelsea team next season. And 
there likely would be some interest in Spain. Now, it's probably one of those like weird loan deals where everybody knows you're going to sign him eventually at some point, and so the money doesn't come back as quickly or right away. But you would be able to move wages off and then create some breathing room, particularly if you have the number two in someone like Matson who is on a, a lower wage contract, a much lower wage contract comparatively to the contract that you would have for for Kukurea. But I think he's one who just obviously had some really had a really good run of form for a couple of weeks in the beginning of March. The London's Blue Podcast effect. We're sorry. We're sorry if that <laughs> that changed people's perceptions of him, but I don't know based upon the numbers where he's going to fit. And it feels like a, an easy decision for all parties. Yeah. I mean, I, I would tend to agree with that. I think the, he's not a wing back. He's not really a left center back. And you have Betty Shiel, Like I said, you have Colwell, you have Ian Motson, all players that could make your wage book look significantly better <laughs> because of, of what they're on. I, I I don't think he's warranted another stay in the Premier League. I don't think he's a Premier League player in in the, in the way that we'll need him to be at the highest level. Um, and you know, it's unfortunate because I remember him playing against us, and boy, was he fantastic. I mean, he, he really did play well against us under Graham Potter's Brighton, uh, but that just didn't didn't really work out. I, I, I don't want to keep going down the list because I think this will rabbit hole us, but I think... If I were looking at the priorities, it is certainly a striker over the summer. I think that is number 1A. You can't win the Premier League if you don't score goals. 1A options so whoever you have to sell to, to get in a really quality striker with every other one of our number 10s around. Uh, and then I would I would be looking at, at goalkeeper pretty significantly in the summer just to figure out like what you're going to do there because you can't have two unhappy goalkeepers on your team. It just doesn't work. So... Uh, squad needs a lot of help. There will be a lot more players on the full list as we move into Keep Sell Loan in June, but we'll let that be another day. Okay, well, that, enjoy your early preview of a Keep Sell Loan edition. And uh, I think, like the one individual uh, Kaiden mentioned, you know, we, we don't even have to do the keep portion, but uh, we will because there are players in this side that would benefit any manager looking to come in and maybe some players who are underutilized now or individuals that just need a little bit of a reset um, or a change in the way that we play to elevate their game. Um, last snap question. Would you buy or exercise a buyout or contract option on Joel Felix, uh, Joel Felix at this moment? No. Uh, and and not because we don't like the guy. He was obviously on the show and I think was incredibly nice. I think he's shown some incredible flashes for us and have at times helped to open up the final third, which has been a difficult area for us this year. But two goals, a ton more missed chances than made. I don't think you can justify spending £100 million on a player that's not going to guarantee you 20 or 25 goals in a season or some split of that in goals and assists. I, I, you just need production, period. And and I honestly think Chelsea are going to go off the wall for some of our, our purchases this summer, and, and, or maybe off the beaten path, I should say, for some of our purchases because star strikers haven't worked at Chelsea. 
star star uh, forwards in, in every other name, but Eden Hazard haven't really worked at Chelsea. And so I think you need to start looking at options who are going to come in, have the chance to to prove some people wrong and do it in a way that's cost effective with a lot of movement that we're going to need to see in the squad. And uh, again, no, no offense to Joao or, or anything like that. I just think, you know, the math on that one doesn't necessarily add up and it would add up if he had scored 10 goals already. Right. Then that's a whole different scenario. And you're like, Holy crap. I don't think we could survive without him. If you're going to really bring it in Kunku as you know, over the summer, that's your new number 10 and you figure out everything else around it. Well, there we have it. Obviously no Dan of the match in this one. It was a loss. So we don't do that. And as we look through the results of the weekend, Bournemouth beating Leicester city at bottom of the table clash, uh, you know, uh, no, no bounce for Leicester city at the moment, but West Ham winning one, nothing against Fulham. Yeah. Newcastle beating up on Brentford two to one Tottenham, somehow walking away with robbing Brighton to calamity. Yeah. With a massive assist from the officials, Wolves of obviously beating us one, nothing man city and Erling Holland coming back into action and getting closer to reclaiming the top spot in the table, which would be so much better than watching Arsenal win the league. Uh, they won four, one against Southampton crystal palace, five, one. That's right. Five, one. Elise was on fire. Unreal. It was an incredible game. That that pass that he made to Eze for the I think for the fourth goal. Not one not one of our players has made that pass this year. And it was just a delight to watch. They they were they're flying under under Roy Hodgson, man. I'm telling you, the guy's just magic. Wrong interim manager choice for Chelsea. <laughs> Who knows? We'll wait. We'll wait to see how Crystal Palace finish at the end of the season here. Arsenal Liverpool a two two draw, which taking us to the table puts Arsenal at top with thirty matches played on seventy three points. But wait, wait, wait! Not so fast. Man City twenty nine played sixty seven points can get within three if they win their game in hand. And they and they play Arsenal. So if they, they beat Arsenal, they're up on goal difference and they're level on points. So those are the two. Come on, City. Come on. Look, again, if there's one thing that we can do between now and the end of the season, outside of Arsenal's winning the demise. Champions League, <laughs> helping make sure that <sighs> Arsenal do not win the league would be – we would – unfortunately, I would I would celebrate it a little bit. And, like, that's not a proud thing to say, but I would – I wouldn't be, like, absolutely bananas, but I'd be like – yeah, fuck yeah, fuck it's, you guys. It, it's like when when City beat Liverpool to the league. It was like ninety nine points and ninety eight points or whatever the hell that was, and we were just like it, a little fist pump, not a big one because you, you reserve the big ones for yourself winning the league. Yep. But in in this moment, it would just be like a little like, come on, you know? Yeah, you got you got to got to take some goodness where you can find it, especially when uh, our club is not providing it. Most most solid missing another penalty. What the fuck is going on with this kid, man? He's killing me. What the hell? Newcastle in third place on 56 points alongside Man United in fourth place at 56. Tottenham with 53 points in fifth. And then Aston Villa under Unai Emery saying good evening to everybody <laughs> beneath them on the table because they are just on an absolute tear. tear. And... Phew, 
uh, on 47 points. So uh, Brighton, Liverpool, Brentford, and Fulham round out the top 10. And then at the bottom, it is Southampton, Leicester, and Nottingham Forest. But again, Everton and Leeds both probably likely to slip back down at, at any given point. So Look, there's uh, as bad as Chelsea are times, there are a few clubs that are reliably worse than we are in this exact moment. So, Look, again, I-, I mean, so you, you, you had all these winnable games. You didn't win them. You could easily be in seventh place right now. Yep. If not charging up where Villa are to sixth or, you know, kind of, I think six is probably the top level that we could reach this year just based on the, on the gap. But like, you didn't do your job. <laughs> points wise, that's where we could be, just as a note. But we're on thirty nine points. We have still. I, I Brandon laughed at me when I said, "Can we get to forty points?" He laughed in my face. We are still at thirty nine points with eight matches left. Well, we won't invite him back on the podcast until Chelsea get forty points, or no, maybe when he gets back from his little bit of a weekend vacation in the nation's capital of washington dc but that's gonna do it for this one nick we're done we've talked through some feels hopefully we put people in a little bit of more positive place and uh thinking maybe about Not what happens during the summer <laughs> <laughs> or at least in a place where they are uh, less unhappy sure how about that uh Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it or watching because we post these on YouTube now, so you can go check us out there. But look, we hope you're staying safe, staying well, enjoying things other than Chelsea at times because that's important. You need that now more than ever. But we're going to wrap this up, and we're going to send you on your way. Plenty more pods coming out this week. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.